Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Would, would it surprise you to learn that many of the great men and women of God in Scripture struggled with worry, fear, and anxiety? Would, would that surprise you? Take Abraham, okay, the patriarch. The one with whom God made the covenant that all nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you and through your descendants. And yet he really struggled with fear and worry. So much so that he led his family into Egypt and then told a lie and said his wife was his sister. Because he was struggling with fear and worry, afraid that Pharaoh was going to take his wife, you know, and and kill him so he could get his wife. I mean, he just, well, he, he, he left the land of promise because he was fearful over a drought that was coming. I mean, he just, he just struggled with fear and and yet he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Strange, isn't it? Miriam, right down here in this corner. Little Miriam. Miriam, the sister of Moses, the older sister of Moses. In fact, she was the very instrument that God used to make it possible when Pharaoh's daughter took Moses out of the Nile River and adopted him for her own son. She was the one that made it possible for the biological mother of Moses to be the nursemaid to care for Moses. So she was able to train Moses to teach Moses who he really was and his true identity. Come on. And then Miriam was also the one that when they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and they got to the other side and watched God drown the entire Egyptian army. She's the one that led all of the Israeli women in praise and celebration to almighty God, the horse and the rider drown in the sea. Come on. Amen. She led that praise. I mean, she was an incredible woman of God. And yet she was also the same woman that struggled with feelings of insecurity, inferiority, And led a little bit of a rebellion, got, got her, her brother to lead a little bit of rebellion against Moses and says, we're people of God. We hear from God too, just like you do. You just think you're so big, little brother. And God goes, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing, Miriam? Leprosy is going to come on you. Come on, remember the story? Yeah. Struggle, struggle with that. I mean, keep it. And, and, you know, and Esther Esther, incredible woman of God. And yet, when the people of God were under threat and annihilation, 
and there was going to be genocide of the Jewish people. And she was in a position as queen that she could intercede. She was fearful. And it wasn't until her relative Mordecai came and said, Esther, God has raised you up for a time as this. You must intervene. And she goes, okay, okay, okay. But I can't do this if we don't fast and pray. You got to get the people to fast and pray. Come on. Amen. And, and God used her. But it was, it was the encouragement that helped her overcome her fear. Because she was afraid. She was operating in fear. David, I love this. And Elijah, these two men of God, great men of God. But Elijah, in discouragement and fear and worry and afraid of Jezebel, ran to Mount Sinai and hid in a cave. <laughs> David... After the great victory with Goliath and other great victories, he did one of the stupidest things. It, it, it encourages me that a man so mighty in God lets me know that someone just as human as I am, okay, you know what? I could do this. <laughs> I could do this. But David, after that great victory... He starts fearing King Saul. And so in his fear, he runs and hides. But get this. Do you know where he ran and hid and hid? Gath. The community of Gath. Now you may go, so what's the big deal about Gath? Gath was the hometown of a guy named Goliath who had four brothers who David hadn't killed yet. David, have you gone insane? I mean, if you're going to go hide, you go hide at Gath? But folks, that's just as stupid as some of the decisions we make in fear and worry. Come on. Yes, yes. We make some really dumb decisions sometimes when we're, when we're wrapped up in fear and worry. And we're not thinking straight, but we think we're thinking straight. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't look at me like that. I'm not scolding. I'm wanting us to wake up and go, fear and worry can destroy me. But we, we, we don't, don't we do this though? Well, you know me, I'm just a worry wart. Well, why? Why do you, why do you stay there? I think a lot of times it's because we don't, we don't know how to get out of that. We've, we've gotten in a rhythm of worry, with a rhythm of fear. I, I'll never forget uh, out witnessing. This is this is back in the seventies when it was really common to go door to door, and I was out doing some door to door ministry. In fact, back when we were when we were planning a church in a suburb of Toronto, Canada, I would knock on a hundred doors every Saturday. And the reason I would do that is because I knew every 10th, I mean, it just, it just, it just happened every time, every 10 doors, I'd get to share the gospel with someone. 
And, uh, and so I was, I was knocking on doors. And, and this, this one lady answered the door. And, and she did not want to talk about the gospel. And so she closed the door. And she closed the door. She wasn't really, really rude about it. But she was acting out of fear. She closed the door. And this is what I heard. The door closed. And I heard click, 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 click. Four locks on her door. And when, when I heard that click, 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 I thought, oh God, this woman lives in terror. Her whole life is consumed in fear. She lives out of fear. And I, I mean, I just couldn't get over praying for her. And, and for days and weeks, every day, I prayed for her and, and asked that God would, would help her. Someone would be able to reach to her with the gospel because only one thing can deliver you from that level of fear. And that's the power of Almighty God and the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. But there are some in this room this morning. You're consumed with fear. Everything is driven by fear in your life. Or it's driven by worry. Or anxiety. And Almighty God wants you to learn what these giants of the faith learned because every one of these learned how to live and walk in victory and in faith and not out of worry, fear, and anxiety. In in the apostle Paul talks or excuse me, the apostle Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read this together. That's fairly small. I hope you can read it with me. Everyone together, starting right here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us succeeding great and precious promises. That through these ye may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also by this very reason giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control. God has given to us. New life. A divine life source by which we can escape the corruption that is in the world. And in in that, he has given to us promises that are the assurance that we can live and walk in total victory. That's why I said you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So how can we live consistently victorious over worry, fear, and anxiety so that we're living in the liberty and freedom that Jesus Christ has brought to us? As the Apostle Paul said when he wrote to the church in Galatians, stand fast in the liberty with which Christ has made you free. How do, how do we do that? How do we live and walk in that? Well, the first is, We've got to know for certain exactly what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. We've got to affirm in our life the victories that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And the first is, 
His blood has redeemed you. His blood has redeemed you. Now, what does that mean to be redeemed? When we are born again, when Jesus Christ comes and lives in our heart and life, and he gives us new life, he makes us a whole new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new, Scripture says. And as a newborn believer, we're then adopted into the family of God. And as we're adopted into the family of God, we are made a son and daughter of Almighty God. As a son and daughter of Almighty God, the scripture says that we become an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So everything that God owns, controls, created, we are now heirs of. Well, wait a minute. If we're, if we're born again and we're adopted and we're made a son and daughter of God and we're an heir of God as a son and daughter of God, then that means we are a child of the Lord of hosts, of the Lord of lords, of the King of kings. If you're a child of the King of kings, What does that make you? Royalty. Princess. Are you tracking with me? So we got to know who we are. We're redeemed. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. It says in Ephesians 1.7. What Pastor Darcy read to you this morning. That we have been redeemed. Not with corruptible things but of incorruptible things the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ himself amen we're redeemed that great old southern gospel song that the quartets used to sing I'm redeemed by love divine glory glory Christ is mine all to him I now resign I have been redeemed hallelujah His death on the cross broke the curse. There are many of you that live and walk under a family curse, a generational curse that has been there for years. Grandpa was an alcoholic, dad was an alcoholic, da 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 da. Mom was a drug addict, you and and you you live under this curse. Well, you know. It just, it just, you know how it is. We're just warriors in our family. How about breaking that curse? Well, you know how it is. After all, I am Irish. How about breaking that curse? You see, we identify, we identify with generational and with and with biological curses. That because you're such and such, that, that's, that, that that is your nationality. And so it just natural flows. You're going to behave this way because, well, after all, that's what, why? 
That's identifying with your, with your biological lineage and the curse that comes with the flesh. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the scripture also says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. You and I have been redeemed and we have been delivered from the curse. Don't live by that curse. Live by the liberty with which Christ has made you free. Don't live under that curse. Not one more day. Not one more day. That's what I just quoted to you. That passage of scripture right there. And Colossians chapter 2, 11. It says that when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when we're baptized in water. That we receive a circumcision made without hands. Putting off the body of sin in the flesh. And that Jesus Christ, when he was nailed to the cross, all of the ordinance that was written against us, all of the judgment written against us, all of the curse written against us was nailed on the cross with him. And when Jesus Christ was buried, it was buried with him. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he destroyed that so that we now live in the freedom of Jesus Christ and the new life raised with him. Walk in that freedom. You do not have to live under those generational curses. You know, you know what happens though so often? Watch, this is what happens. So we, we pray a simple prayer that we're led in. And we believe God heard that prayer. But we have not yet allowed the redeeming, sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ to transform the inner man, the inner woman. And so by faith, we're declaring that we're born again. But in our daily behavior, the old behavior patterns, the old thought patterns, the old images, the old reasonings, those still control our daily action and our daily behavior. And so we're still living under the power and control of the old addictions and the and and the the old behavior patterns. But I got great news for you. Turn to your neighbor and say he's got some good news for you right now. Romans chapter six. Oh, it's not up here. Put this in your notes. Romans chapter six, verses one to seven. And verse 11, Romans 1 to 6, excuse me, Romans 6, 1 to 7, and verse 11. You ready? Here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in our addictions that grace may abound? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in worry, fear, and anxiety that grace may abound? What shall we say then? Shall we continue having our temper? What shall we say then? Shall we continue with a critical, judgmental tongue? What shall we say then? Shall we continue? Da-da, da-da, da-da. You name it, whatever it is. Shall we continue in that the grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to fear, dead to worry, dead to anxiety, dead to addiction, dead to all that stuff. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, being buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk some of the times in newness of life. What do you mean, no? What? Actually, it says we should walk in newness of life. Doesn't have all or sometimes or anything else in there. You just walk in newness of life. Come on, amen? amen. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Verse 11. Reckon ye therefore yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is your job. God did everything necessary in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so by faith you receive it. And when you're born again, you receive that life source. But now you, you have the responsibility to identify and to live out of that new life source. Not out of the old man, not out of the old woman, not out of the old attitude, not out of the old fears, not out of the old lifestyle, not out of the old behavior pattern, not out of the old addiction. You now live out of the new life source that you have in Jesus Christ because you're a new creation. Come on. Go to the next slide for me. So how do we do this? You got you to renew your thinking. Your stinking thinking is killing you. Your stinking thinking is killing you. Your stinking thinking is killing you. And we all come into this world with stinking thinking. I know we want to believe that little kids come into this world as a blank slate. Uh Uh-uh. That's humanism. That's not scripture. I'll just give you one example out of scripture. When Mary arrived at the home of her cousin who was carrying John the Baptist in her womb, John in the womb knew that Messiah in Mary's womb had stepped into the room and he leaped for joy. If he was a blank slate, how's he gonna know that? He's not a blank slate. No child is a blank slate. That's why when that child is in the womb, you can start talking to that child, calling that child by name. You can start speaking to that child and you can train that child to know your voice. You can quote scripture to that child. You can pray for that child in the womb. Because life begins at conception. 
But we grow up with stinking thinking. From the time we're, we're little ones, our attitudes, our value systems, our reasoning, our opinions, our self-worth, our worry, our fear, our anxiety, all starts being shaped in us as a little one. That's why you may not be aware of this, but by the time a child is nine years old, their worldview is locked in concrete. And it takes a miracle to change their worldview. That's why it's so important that our children's ministry is so critically important. That's why we put so much work and effort into our children's ministry. That's why we raise up excellent teams and high-end teams in our children's ministry. Because children... By the time they're nine years old, their worldview is shaped. Their image of their self is shaped. And that's going to determine their life and their future. But hallelujah, they also can be born again. And the Lord Jesus Christ can transform that. A miracle can happen. And instead of being directed by a carnal worldview, they can be transformed and begin living by a kingdom of God worldview and live for the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory. Come on, amen. We can do that. But now as adults, as an adult, that same miracle can happen in your heart and life. And God wants that to happen in your heart and life. But you have to have the renewing of your mind. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed, shaped, molded in the pattern and likeness of the world. But be transformed, metamorpho, metamorpho. The Greek word is the root word for the English word metamorphosis. What changes a polywog into a bullfrog? What changes a woolly worm into a monarch? What changes a sinner into a saint? What transforms a worry wart into a faith-believing child of God? What changed Thomas, doubting Thomas, into the man that went into India and transformed a continent. And to this very day, the Christian church in India directly traces their roots back to Apostle Thomas. Miracle. See, we have to let Almighty God take that image of who we truly are in Jesus Christ. I'm seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. I was a sinner over here, but I've been born again. And as a born again person... I'm adopted into the family of God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I am royalty. I'm a king and priest to my God. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. 
I am blessed when I go out. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I lie down. I'm blessed when I wake up. I'm blessed when I'm out walking. I'm blessed when I'm sitting in my easy chair. I'm blessed at work. I am blessed in my recreation. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Neither principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor things in heaven, nor things in earth, nor things under the earth, no demon of hell, no power or force can separate me from the love of God because I am a born again son and daughter of God. That is who I am. I am always victorious in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am holy. I am without blame. I'm before him in love. There's no condemnation. I am just as if I had never sinned. In Jesus Christ, I am a brand new creation. And that old life doesn't live anymore. It's dead and buried. The only person that lives now is the new creature in Jesus Christ. That old person doesn't live anymore. Satan has no power over me. He may knock at my door. Forget it. I'm not answering. He may ring the doorbell night and day for 20 straight days. I'm not answering that door because I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. By the way, In the name of Jesus Christ, because of who you are, in the name of Jesus Christ, you can command him to leave your doorstep. He he can't stay there. Come on. This is who you are. We are so blessed that you joined us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at